Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and along with me, but not uh, right next to me, once again, uh, Mike Lockman. Mike, how are you doing this week? Uh, as always, we are appropriately socially distanced, and uh, I'm excited. I, I'm doing good because we we've had we've got definitely got football and chilly weather, uh, meaning chilly in the crock pot, not chilly outside, and. Uh, we're, and we had some good games this week, so I'm excited. Some very good games this past week. Uh, we're going to get that chilly weather this weekend, from what I can tell, from what I've been seeing. Looks like maybe even into the uh, low 40s Friday night. That should be fun. Might actually have yeah. to break out my jeans. Uh, you know, I've been wearing shorts the whole time, so um, yeah, I'll have to change the wardrobe up. But as always, you can send us questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at NHHS Sports. You can listen to the football show Tuesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com throughout the 2020 season, uh, however long that may go. Uh, we're, we're uh, Despite a few hiccups, uh, it seems like we're still powering uh, along here. Um, you know, of course, we've had a couple of um, couple of games get postponed or, or excuse me, canceled, um, you know, already the first couple weeks here. Uh, I'm sure, you know, everything kind of seems to be in flux. And, you know, we're going to talk about some of the games coming up this weekend, uh, and we'll probably say, oh, this game's Friday, this game's Saturday, kicks off at this time. But your best bet for anything, of course, is to just check with your school, um, you know, right up until maybe, you know, Friday and or Saturday uh, for what's going on with schedules because, you know, we'll try to keep you updated on the site and on Twitter as much as we can. But um, that's probably your best bet, I would say. Yeah, I think uh, the season's starting to show some of those colors now in, in terms of how dynamic we predicted it might be. And, um, I mean, it's not like it's out of control or awful or anything, but, but even starting week one, we had cancellations and things, and that, that's carrying right on potentially. Yeah, the, the biggest one looks like it could be, um, you know, of course this past week you had the, the National North and Merrimack game get canceled. Um, looks like Merrimack's game with Salem has already been canceled this week. They had... Um, I believe a, a, a JV kid who uh, came down with COVID and potentially another kid too. I, I'm not, I haven't seen any updates on that, but um, definitely want to be on the safe side. I can't blame them for, for you know, doing that. And, you know, uh, there's a, a, what, maybe even a possibility that they they just kind of wait and, and you know, uh, everyone seems to assume that there's going to be an open tournament for football. Nothing official has been announced as far as I can tell. Um you know, so, you know, regardless, they've got a game under their belt. They, you know, if it is an open tournament, they'd be in the tournament. Um, and Merrimack was one of the schools that, you know, initially they were they were kind of on the fence, I think, about having football. So, I mean, it wouldn't be too much of a surprise that if they didn't feel it was safe to, to kind of just maybe um, pull the plug at least for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's all speculation at this point. You, you have to hope that that's – they find a way around that, but you know that um, – the administration and the coaches at, at Merrimack are going to be uh, primarily concerned with with the, the safety of the kids, right. Uh, right. not just Absolutely. the players, but the the kids in the school. So, I, I think it's one of those situations where you just you hope and pray that they're able to salvage something out of the season. But um, it, you know, if they have to make a decision, that's for that's for everybody's safety. That says, hey, you know, we're going to have to shut it down for another couple of weeks or, or whatever they decide to do, you got to support it a hundred percent because that as difficult as it will be for everybody that that consideration is, is always the first, which is the safety of the, 
of the kids. So yeah, it's not like it's not like they're looking at it. And we're like, oh, we have to. We we hate football. Let's shut it down. Um, right, right. No, not at no all. I think to, it's, no one wants to do that. No, very difficult decisions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, just like for example, uh, Wyndham's circumstance and Dover missing uh, week one. Um, you know, this is kind of the latest casualty of the of the schedule here. Yeah. Um, Which is a shame because I would imagine that would have been a, a great game. I, I would imagine there were a lot of uh, Titans that were chomping at the bit to, to uh, you know, sort of get a, a revenge game, um, you know, in terms of motivation to go out there and play well against Merrimack. So, um, yeah, that was a tough one to hear that it wasn't going to be played because that, that would have been a great game, I think. You know, for the for the games that did happen, uh, you mentioned Dover and they were – they unfortunately had their opener with Spalding canceled uh, after Spalding yep. had some had to, to suspend school for for some time. Um, but Dover opened up with, um, you know, if it wasn't for for Winnicott the week before, I'd say maybe the most eye opening win of the year uh, so far. Um, you know, they they host Exeter in uh, from what I understand a completely empty stadium. Uh, just uh, just. You know the teams and everybody running the show, and some media was there. Uh, I guess yep. it was a, a full moon and a foggy night, which you know made for some great pictures from what I saw. Uh, Dover gets a touchdown, uh, has a seven nothing lead throughout. Exeter scores, I think, with about four minutes left, uh, and then misses the extra point. So it's a seven yeah. six game, and Dover gets the ball back and doesn't give it back, uh, and they come up with a, a seven six win over Exeter. Um, you know their second win over Exeter in the last three years after going, I think, like 12 or 13 years without beating him. And yeah. uh, and then here we are with Exeter sitting at 0-2. Um, definitely not something that you would have ever expected, um, you know, even with these unusual circumstances. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, both of these losses that Exeter has taken have been almost in extremely uh, un-Exeter-like fashion, right? This This week... It was special teams, which, I mean, Exeter has always been immaculately coached on special teams, and, and, and their kids are always very capable, right? Their kicking game is always very, very good. Um, but to have Bunnell, uh, you know, hit, hit Bill Bloom in the end zone with, like you said, about four minutes left for what's seemingly going to be a, a, a hard-earned tie and potentially looking at an OT situation, which would have been really exciting, you know, they line up and um, – they they kick the extra point and it fails and that's the difference in the game that's that's very unlike Exeter so it's a painful 0 and 2 and to your point I think the last time Exeter went 0 and 2 to start a season was their first year when they realigned them into Division One that was even and I think that throw. first year in Division One they actually didn't win a game yeah they were I and then of course the next year they came back and they went undefeated <laughs> but won, yeah, um, if I remember correctly yeah, it, yeah. it was some time ago but I think that's the last time they went 0 and 2 yeah I think I think you're right 2010 they got moved up um, a couple of years before the divisions went from six to three you're right yeah and they went 0 and 10 or something like that. Um, and I guess on the extra point there too, um, you know, again, it was a kind of a, maybe, maybe a wet field. Um, cause I, the kicker slipped, I guess, and the ball ended up not making it over the line, which is, uh, really unfortunate. Um, so kind of just some bad luck too, in that, in that situation. Um, yeah, not to take anything away from Dover because right, by all right, accounts, Dover played a heck of a game, especially considering that it was really their opener, um, you know, Exeter had a game under their belt, and it was a it was a tough game against Winnicunit. So they 
they'd sort of been through a battle already. So that's a tall order to come out uh, with no scrimmages or anything as far as now Dover's situation, right? Playing Exeter, who you know played a pretty good battle the week before and, and just ended up on the short end of the stick, and uh, they still came out and and played great. Um, Lopez Sullivan had a good game at quarterback, from what I heard. Uh, just hats off to Dover for for a great a great win. Yeah, uh, yeah, Darian Lopez Sullivan, their quarterback, and uh, and I'm, I'm going to try to say this one, Ben. Normando, um, you know, the two of them on that final drive both picked up a couple of key first downs uh, to keep them going and keep the ball away from Exeter. So, you know, um, yeah, really a, a nice job by them to, to pull out that win. And then, uh, you know, we mentioned Winnicott beating Exeter in week one. This week they, uh, they have another kind of uh, cardiac finish, if you will, um, beating Portsmouth or Oyster River 14-7 to on a – uh, Portsmouth completes a, like a 60-yard Hail Mary that gets them to the two-yard line where, uh, where Winnicott's Ben Chase makes a tackle and, uh, and you know, keeps, keeps Portsmouth out of the end zone and, and, and saves the day. And, and Port- Winnicott comes away with a 14-7 win. So they, uh, they sit at 2-0, and and actually uh, they're going to Dover this week. So um, another big matchup for both those teams, but just another, you know, another exciting finish, um, you know, for Winnicott and you know, great, great for them to see, you know, after the year they went through last year, um, you know, they were one and eight, um, probably one of their record wise, one of their tougher years in, in quite some time, um, uh, to be two and oh, at this point is, is, is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what we talked about last week. My admiration for being able to come out and go two and oh, after having, um, a difficult season last year is, you know, as I said, just a credit to the leadership around the Winnicott Warriors at this point, right? That's the coaching staff, the captains, the seniors, great stuff. But yeah, by all accounts, that was a, that was a really almost kind of an ugly grinded out game, right? If, right. I was looking at the stats for the Winnicott game and uh, there wasn't a single Winnicott ball carrier that had over 50 yards. I mean, I think, I think uh, Tilly had 53 yards on 11 carries. Everybody else was, you know, 43, 42, 20 yards, 15 yards, you know, that kind of thing. So um, it's not like they were, you know, they had somebody that broke it out or, or, you know, consistently was able to move the ball. They, it was sort of a team effort, but it was uh, sounded like a definitely a grinded out type of thing. And Portsmouth really couldn't do much on the ground either. I think, uh, you know, they might've had a hundred yards rushing by the look of things, but uh, it, you know, the, the winning kind of defense was very good last week. So that seems to have carried over. Yeah, I think you know we're we're two weeks in, and um, you know I wondered after week one we we had a you know there's been some higher scoring games, um, but for the most part, you know in those cases it's been kind of lopsided. You know if it's a higher scoring game, I feel like there's been one team that's kind of dominant um, over another. You know, but a lot of these like evenly matched games, it's you know it's it's been lower scoring. We haven't had any shootouts really. Uh, you know, outside of maybe a, a game or two here and there. Um, you know, one of the games I was at on, on Saturday was just, you know, one of those um, types of efforts where you had a team, I think, that's maybe not completely on the same page offensively going up against a team that, you know, is um, is looking very dominant defensively. And that's, uh, you know, Londonderry's 16 nothing win over Salem. Um, you know, Salem, of course, has, you know, it, just like every year, it seems like they, uh, you know, they turn over the roster, and but they find kids that, that can compete and uh, play well and, and get the job done. Um, but, you know, with no 
uh, no real off season, or at least no summer to kind of work on those things. You wonder, you know, how far along can they be at this point? And then you've got Londonderry that, you know, returned, um, you know, they graduated some good kids on defense, but they did also return some kids that got some experience last year and then filled in a couple other holes. And, um, you know, they looked just really, really good um, Saturday. They held uh, Salem to, I want to say, I think it was 118 yards of, total of offense for the game, uh, under 30 in the second half, and they didn't give up a first down until, you know, late in the game when it was pretty much pretty much over. Yeah, I remember looking at uh... – uh, it might have even been your write-up, Joe. Uh, you were at the game, if I remember yep, correctly. Yep. yep. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not surprised that Londonderry won. Uh, certainly not, right? Because seeing some of the, the footage of the Londonderry-Pinkerton game, watching um, uh, um, Dylan McEachern uh, in his, his debut at quarterback and some of the other weapons that they had, I said, yeah, you know, that, they, that, that doesn't surprise me. What did surprise me was that they shut out the Blue Devils. I mean, that's again, you know, we, we've we've been talking a little bit, kind of making fun of ourselves, like we should, you know, we should have those stats in front of us. But <laughs> when was the last time Salem got shut out? Yeah, Salem's been very, very good offensively for a long time now. Um, they always have a stable of running backs and uh, the depth, right? They get they get injuries. They have these other guys fill right in and they pick it right up. Um, so. That's you know uh, you know we were talking a little bit before the um, uh, the call began right the, the the show began I said was that you know Salem just sort of wasn't clicking or was it Londonderry is just that good on defense and um, I said you know it might have been a little yeah, bit of both but a, a uh, of both. certainly hats off to Londonderry's defense that is a feat that uh, is is no small one by any stretch to shut out a team like the the Salem Blue Devils the way that they. Uh, typically time their offense up and and uh, come off the ball. That's a difficult thing to do. A little bit of both, but I would also say that I think, um, you know, Londonderry is, is very going to be very good. When, when this is all, when the season is all done, I think we'll look back at Londonderry's uh, defense and, and we'll be, we'll be calling it one of the better ones in the state, I, I think. Um, yeah. You know, and then they had, um, they actually, they needed that defense, though. Um, you know, moving through the second half, they had, uh, uh, actually went down with an injury in the, in the, uh, second quarter, late in the second quarter. Um, nothing serious. Uh, and, and I, I it sounded like he probably could have come back, but, you know, they didn't want to take the chance. And they had a couple other guys step in and play pretty well. Um, you know, so they were able to get it done without, you know, their, their quarterback out there. Um, yeah, you know, so it was it was even more important for the defense to have the game that it did, um, you know. And then they've got, um, you know, an interesting matchup coming up Friday night with Bedford, uh, you know, who got picked up their first win, beating Central thirty five fourteen this week, um, you know. So that's going to be, you know, there's, you know, no kind of no um, no breaks for Londonderry this year with this this short schedule. They open with Pinkerton, then Salem. Bedford, uh, and then they finish out with Wyndham and North. So it's, uh, you know, they're definitely, uh, definitely challenge themselves with this schedule. Um, but that, yeah, that should be an interesting one. Yeah. And, and did Salem play last week? Yes. They, uh, they beat Alvern the week before. Yeah. And we, that's played. right. That's right. Okay. And so it's, it's, um, it's this coming week though. They will not have a game. Yeah. They were supposed yeah, to and that's going to be tough week. for Salem too, because, you know, after, um, a loss like that, 
you know, where it was kind of a tight game, but you never really got the offense um, on track. I mean, coaching staff, offensive players, the first thing you want to do is get right back on the horse and get to work. Yeah. Right. So to have sort of a quasi bye week um, and have that shutout just sitting on your shoulders for two consecutive weeks, that's a tough thing for a team to do. But the flip side of that is I guess it gives them time to work um, and iron out the bugs and get their timing down and things like that. But, uh, man, I know when I, you know, if I was a coach, I'm in that situation, that's going to eat at me because there's nothing I want more than to get right back to work on a game plan and, uh, you know, be ready for another game so we can try to get on track. Yeah, and then they come back uh, on the 16th to play uh, play Pinkerton. Uh, so right, right. Two two weeks to get ready for that game now, um, which yep. I, don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, you, you – I mean, you definitely can take the preparation time, but but I think after a certain point, though, you maybe try to outthink yourself a little bit, uh, or overthink it a little bit. I guess is what I mean to say. Uh, I don't know. You yeah, know, and you know, know, at the end of the day, with a shortened season and uh, you know the situation they're in, that the, they just want to play. They want games. I'm sure that's their mindset. So yeah, they'll take the they'll take the extra preparation. But I'm sure, if given a choice, they would say we want a game. Uh, you know, the other one, I, I, I did actually get a chance to see uh, Pinkerton as well this past weekend, um, you know, as they took on Nashua South. And, and what I saw uh, one person mention as being that the loser of that game would probably be the best 0-2 team in the state. Um, you know, both both South and Pinkerton were in the um, the Power Bowl, the Union Leader Power Bowl to start out the year. Um, I be- And I believe they were after last week, too, uh, despite both of them uh, losing games. But, yep. uh, you know, South went into that game a little banged up, um, you know, and I, and I think it kind of showed in Pinkerton, you know, they just kind of got back to doing what I think they normally do. And they end up, um, you know, they're able to run the ball all over the place, a bunch of different kids getting uh, getting touches and they uh, come away with a 33 seven win over South. And it was um, I think it was a, a frustrating night, you know, the. The Panthers had a bunch of drop passes um, at points in that game that, you know, they make a catch. It could have been kind of, you know, could have changed the way things go. But Pinkerton was able to come out and score in its first two drives and really just kind of take the uh, the wind out of this, any wind that South might have had out of their sails. Yeah, it's always tough psychologically when, you know, you go into a game a little bit shorthanded uh, in terms of injuries or what have you, but you're always hoping for the best. You know that you've prepared well and, you know, hey, it takes it takes 11 guys doing a job, so you still go out there with a great attitude about the thing. But then, you know, that doubt creeps in really quick when your opponent goes and puts one, you know, puts a couple scores in on their first two drives. It, it can become very psychologically difficult to overcome that, no matter how well prepared you are, no matter how well coached your team is. So, you know, you could see maybe that that's what happened there. Is it? They were guarding against, uh, you know, maybe feeling bad about uh, feeling bad for themselves about having some injuries and and so forth. And you go in feeling good, but then, bang bang, you're down fourteen nothing after two drives, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's tough, I think, for a football team to recover from that a little bit. You know, and and you know, it was that first drive was a, a probably a frustrating one for South. You know, they Pinkerton's first play, they get called for a block below the waist. Um, you know, so that moves them back. Well, they after they, they got a big kickoff return back to South's 31, and then that first play they get called back uh, on a, uh, on a uh, like I said, block below the waist. They end up 
facing a third and 11. Uh, so it looks like South has a pretty good chance of getting off the field. And then, um, you know, and then uh, David Clark rips off a 12-yard run on third and 11 to give him a first down. And then they're, uh, they're facing another third down, a third and five, a couple plays later. And uh, Nathan Campos runs for 14 yards and another first down. So that's got to be a little frustrating, um, you know, when you think you're about to get off the field and then next thing you know you're looking up and it's 7 nothing instead. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I still agree, though. I believe both of those teams deserve to be – on the power pole after the, the, the losses of the previous week. And, th- and that's just a credit to the teams that beat them, quite frankly. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but you got to wonder about where South will stand after this. And again, that's not to say that I don't agree that they're not one of the better 0-2 teams in the state, right? I mean, I, if not the best at this point. Um, but they've got to get healthy. And again, in a shortened season, you know, two losses is, is, uh, is, is tough to be at. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, they can get healthy and get back on track and, and start to show us how good they really are because we all know that they're good. Yeah. Um, they host uh, Alvern coming up this week, which has uh, dropped a, a pair of games to open the season by, uh, by kind of uh, big scores to, to both Salem and Goffstown. Uh, and uh, Pinkerton actually hosts Wyndham on Saturday. Uh, that game, yeah, yeah, Saturday afternoon. So that should be an interesting one. Wyndham, of course um, – Hasn't played a game yet. They, uh, the, even, but the beginning of the school year had a couple of, uh, I guess, or a group of kids, you know, come up with uh, with positive COVID tests and took a couple weeks off uh, from from athletics and came back a little bit later than everyone else. So they're finally getting their first game in, um, and that should be an interesting one going going to Pinkerton. Um, you know, tough tough way to kind of open the season, especially against. The, not just against Pinkerton, but against a team that's had, you know, two weeks to play where you're coming, you know, straight out for your first game. So that, that should be, uh, um, I'm curious to see what happens in that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I am too. And I agree. That's a tough way to come back, but you know, the Wyndham program has been a resilient one for years. I think they've played Pinkerton pretty tough since their move up from, uh, from division yeah, two yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, I'm sure, Jack Byrne and that coaching staff over there have just been chomping uh, with that team to get into football, right? There's not many guys in the state of New Hampshire that coach that are as passionate about things as Jack is. And so uh, I'm sure they've taken every moment that they've got to get ready for this game and and make sure that the players are prepared to go out. So, you know, I don't know. I I, I think that's an interesting one, Joe. I, I do think that everything sort of points to it could be tough on Wyndham just because, again, no scrimmages, no preseason with, you know, double sessions and things and, and Pinkerton's almost essentially in mid season form at this point, again, with the, with the shortened season being what it is. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say that this is going to be a pretty good game. That's my prediction because I just think, I think Wyndham will be ready and they're well coached. And I think that, uh, they've, they've played Pinkerton well in in the recent past. So, um, they have no reason to go into that game feeling like they, they're outmatched, you know. I, I think be confident going in. Absolutely. A uh, couple other D1 games before uh, we get on to the uh, the D2 conversation. Of course, you um, you also had Spalding uh, opening its season with a 32-20 win over St. Thomas, and then uh, Manchester Memorial for the first time since 2010, or I believe 20. Excuse me, 20. Oh, now I forget where it was. 2010. Yes, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> 
they uh, they start the year two and zero. They beat Concord thirty four thirteen. So uh, and then with you know don't want to take anything for granted, especially not you know in these times. But um, Memorial will take on West. Uh, I believe the first time that they've played since I think twenty thirteen or fourteen. Um, you know they'll so they'll play West on Friday um, with a chance to go three and zero. Um, so that's uh, again a, another kind of surprise uh, in this season. So you know, good luck to them, and and hopefully you know, uh, hopefully we're talking about some good things with them coming up. Um, yeah, um, that's fantastic. I uh, I I saw that, and I would I you know again I would I would be lying to say that it, it didn't surprise me. Um, you, you know, I thought that Memorial. Quite honestly, I thought that Memorial would had a good chance to beat Concord because of the momentum that we talked about uh, having beaten central week one and how that can sort of explode. And, and we knew that Concord um, had struggled against Trinity, not to take anything away from Trinity, but when you're talking, you know, a couple divisions worth of separation, expected a tighter game there between Concord and Trinity and, and Trinity won that game convincingly by three touchdowns. So I, I had a feeling Memorial, would win that game, but I didn't think that the, this, you know, the, the, the point differential would be, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, 20 points. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's great for Memorial. And like you said, they have a chance to potentially go to three and zero next week. And, um, you know, it, it's just, again, how momentum can roll is, is, is an interesting thing. And I'm, uh, I'm really happy for those guys out there. Yeah. Um, one other D1 team that was in action over the weekend, um, you had Bishop Girton going to Sauhegan for a Saturday night game. And uh, Sauhegan comes up with uh, a 17-7 win in, uh, from what I understand, was the first meeting, uh, regular season meeting between those two teams. So they, they played, yep. I think, in the Jamboree and in scrimmages and all that before. Uh, but I guess what, what kind of stood out from this one was the Sabres defense forcing seven turnovers uh, in that game. So just uh, again, an, another team that that you know we're talking about defenses, um, you know, another team that seems to be uh, all on the same page defensively, and you know, with with the talent that Sauhegan has, uh, when they get it all together on offense, uh, I, I look out, um, you know, they're they're really making themselves look like uh, the team to beat in Division Two, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you knew offensively what they had, right? Because they had Jane back at quarterback, who was a who was a pretty good quarterback last year, still coming into the system, I think, and finding his way. I wouldn't go so far as to call him elite, like, um, you know, like an Erda or or a uh, um, why is the why is the uh, uh, kid Hollis escaping me now? Wimmer, but he was pretty good, right? He could he could manage the game well, and and. Uh, you had Manning, who was a really great outside receiving threat, whether it's on the screen or the deep balls. And you had um, um, the running back, uh, now whose name escapes me, boy. Uh, For eh? Yeah. Uh, I, I talked about him last week. Um, uh, Riley Lawhorn, I think that's who you Law, Yeah, I, I kept, yeah. I kept, I was thinking Riley, but I was thinking that was his last name. And I was like, what's his first name? So Lawhorn. But, uh, you know, so and, and, and you saw Lawhorn was the stud last week, right, in the ground game. Yeah. Um, and then this week the defense was really the superstar. I mean, seven turnovers um, is, is absolutely almost unthinkable. I mean, um, 
you know, and, and I guess credit to BG, seven turnovers and, and you know, you, you only lost by 10 points. I, I think seven turnovers, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, a, a you're going to get obliterated, right? I mean, oh, there's yeah. no recovering yeah. from that. But, um, yeah, so he can, if, if that's, if their defense is capable of putting that together, because, you know, by all accounts, uh, from what I remember of who they brought back on their roster and stuff, that defense is loaded. You know, we, we haven't even mentioned Mike Maroon yet, who we talk about almost every week, um, is, is a really, really good defensive player. Their secondary is solid. They have athletes all over the place. That's a good team. And they've got Milford uh, coming up this week. And, in, in, you know, another one of those, you know, a lot of those rivalry games were played week one. This was the one big rivalry game that was probably left that didn't get played week one was Milford Sauhegan. Yeah, always a always a fun one. And and Milford, um, you know, they they were off week one, um, came out this past week uh, for their first game and got a big win over Hollis Brookline, twenty six twenty four. The one one number I saw from this game was that uh, Hollis's uh, Mark Andre Thermitis had over three hundred yards rushing. Uh, which um, is just, I mean, I, he's a, a very talented running back, um, but that is definitely an eye-popping number uh, for anyone. Um, and for Milford to be able to overcome that, um, you know, that's quite a feat. And you know, Yeah, I, I have to be honest with you. I don't understand how that is even possible. <laughs> right? Although i got to admit, I, I've coached in games where I had two running backs go over, you know, 100 yards each, and you'd think, oh, well, you must have, you must have, put that one away. No, we lost by 17 points. So, so, I mean, it does happen, but statistics aren't everything. The only thing that matters is a scoreboard. But, you know, when you see a 300 plus yard performance by a back and, and, you know, you only have 24 points to show for it. I, 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 I wish I had been able to see that game. I, I tried desperately to see if it was uh, recorded somewhere. If somebody's got it, somebody knows where I can find it. <laughs> Send us an email, Joe, you got the email address somewhere, right? But <laughs> I can go rewind to the beginning of the show. We, we, we mentioned it there. Yeah. Yeah. So send us an email. I'd love to be able to watch it because, um, you know, the, the Milford defense must've just played, um, lights out like in the red zone or when it mattered or something, but it sounded like it was another one of those classic games. They, they've played really great games over the last couple few years. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, I think Zelinsky had uh, 150 or 160 yards from Milford, so Milford was able to grind out their own yardage. But um, yeah, what a great night for Mark Thermitis. It must have been frustrating to, to come out of there, you know, allowing Milford to sort of slip away with yeah. that one. But uh, it, it does set up a really interesting matchup between um, between Milford and Sauhegan this coming week. Yeah. And then Hollis Brookline plays at Sanborn, uh, which has. Uh had some tough times so far this year getting uh, blown out in its first two games. They lost to Pelham in week one this past week. They lose to Timberlane 42, 14, um, you know, and it, it looks like just looking down the list here. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are, you know, sitting, I think at, at, um, at one and one that, you know, maybe we don't really know too much about. I mean, Timberlane, they, they lose opening week at, at uh, Plymouth on a last minute play uh, Hillsborough during Hopkinton, they beat Merrimack Valley this past week. Both of those teams are at one and one. Then you've got uh, Hanover and Lebanon, who have both uh, played some teams from D3 and D4. Uh, they've, I think, are both 2-0 there. Um, 
Pembroke is two. You know they beat up on Bishop Brady this past week. They're two and zero for the first time in forever. I think. Yeah. Um, their program's been around about twenty years or so. First time they're at two and zero. Bo gets a big win over John Stark. They're two and zero. Guilford Belmont does the same to Kingswood. I you know, they're also two and zero. I I feel like a broken record here. Um, you know, and then probably the most surprising one. Um, only because I, you know, I'm checking Twitter Saturday night and I see that Kennett's up 20 to seven on Plymouth in the fourth quarter. Uh, and wh- I guess what was even more surprising was I saw someone uh, had a typo in their tweet and I thought it said thir- it did say 30 to seven, but it was actually 20 to seven. Um, and you know, and then I, I was all, you know, doing whatever I was doing. I don't, I don't, remember. I was probably watching some college football. Go back and I checked Twitter again and uh, see that Plymouth has won 21 20. Um, yeah. So just a, a another uh, you know last second finish for them it sounds like a great comeback. But you know Plymouth now at two and zero, you know, and, and a lot of these teams. I I mean we may get to that fourth and fifth week of the season and really not you know maybe outside of a couple teams like Sauhegan, Plymouth, um, you know Guilford, Belmont, we may not really know you know who's who is uh, where I guess in terms of of talent and standings because these these schedules are are it sounds like they're all over the place. Yeah, it, well, and, and and there's not enough uh, there's not enough data as a result. Right. There's less games than usual, and like you said, the matchups are sort of bizarre. So it's hard to tell who's who. I, who did you mentioned Gil, the Guilford Belmont? Um, I mean, that was a that was a huge blowout, right? It was like fifty three to nothing against Kingswood. Guilford Belmont beat a quality opponent last week. Beat St. Thomas in week one. Right, right. Now, now St. Thomas is zero and two, which again. You kind of shake your head and say, yeah, you know, they might still be a good team, right? It's just it's just hard to figure it out at this point. But, yeah, Guilford Belmont, that 2-0 and start, and it's a convincing 2-0 and start against a good program and then just a, a leave-no-doubt win against Kingswood last week. So, you know, you're, you're, wondering, about, um, you're wondering about them at this point. Oh, well, um, we'll find out a little bit more this week because they, uh, they host Kennett that just went toe-to-toe with Plymouth. Um, you know, so we'll find out, you know, um, we'll find out a little bit, I think, about both of those teams. Yeah, that should be a really good matchup. And then you have, you know, Timberlane, um, they go to St. Thomas uh, for actually what I believe is uh, St. Thomas's first night game on their new turf field out there. It's uh, it's on the schedule as a Saturday 6 o'clock start, so I believe that is, is the case there. I know they were putting in turf over the summer, and I believe the lights are up. Um, yeah, that's that, that, and that's too bad too, right? Because you got to figure they probably have restricted uh, oh, um, yeah, yeah. Vis- access, yeah. you know. And so, like your your inaugural game under the lights, new field. I mean, that that would otherwise be uh, a huge event that you would want to just pack the crowds and have a lot of fun. And you know, unfortunately, it's not going to look like that. You know, it's kind of like that the new stadium they built out there for the Raiders in Las Vegas. It's like this ridiculous complex. And, you know, every time they show a, a game out there, it's like, there's, yeah, there's nobody there. Some cardboard cutouts in the first row, you know? Um, but, uh, but that, yeah, that should be, that should be an interesting matchup. Um, yeah. And Timberlane, to your point, they, they just sort of rolled, right? I mean, they, they yeah. were, uh, they, they were, they were in JV time, I think with uh, 30 minutes left in the game jumped out to a, uh, a a quick start, you know, 42 to nothing and never looked back. Um, you know, you, 
mentioned big matchups, but I, I think maybe one of the bigger ones this week we might actually see in D3 where you've got uh, Pelham coming off a 40 to nothing win over Campbell. Quite an, that's an eye-opener. Uh, yeah. You know, and then and that's I, – I, Pelham through two games hasn't allowed a point. Uh, you know, they're taking on Trinity, also 2-0, and who's got wins over uh, Division One Concord and Division Two Manchester West uh, under their yep. belts. Um, you know, so that one's a, a Friday night one um, at Trinity. Uh, and another uh, another new field. Um, I, I believe they were on the field at last, the end of last football season, but still um, another new field up there. Uh, I believe at, what, Dairy Field Park? Is that where – or is it over in that vicinity where Trinity plays? Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly where the field is. It's a gorgeous field. Uh, I've seen pictures of it, and it's just yeah, I have, I have like well. a nice idyllic setting is what it looks like. Um, but yeah, you know they they uh, you know the thing that's interesting about that is that Trinity has played quote unquote up twice now and 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 won both times, but both games were not runaway wins, right? I think they had to they had enough work to do in those games that they're kind of coming into what, again, what we would call, I guess at this point, mid-season form, right? They've had two games they've had to battle in and make big plays. And, you know, it's not like they were running away with 38 to six wins or anything in in either of these cases. So that's good. That's kind of like they've been battle tested early against good opponents. They've won. They're two and O to show for it, but it had, they haven't been walk away wins. So I think that really helps your team early on come together um, for the second, you know, the second half of the season, or the big run that you're going to have to make. So, uh, so I, you know, things are looking up. That that should be an interesting matchup for sure. To uh, to backtrack a minute here, they did. Uh, it is the lower fields at Dairy Field Park, uh, Trinity. Yeah, is a, that's where their new field is. Um, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It is looks fantastic. You know, there's yeah, like the the, divi- the two Division Three wins that were real eye openers. The, the Trinity one wasn't necessarily an eye opener. Um, just because of how well they had played the week before. Um, and, and West is a good program. They've improved tremendously um, over the last couple of years. But I, I don't think that was as necessarily a, a shock. But the Pelham, the Pelham putting up 40 and shutting out Campbell was a big yeah. deal. And um, Manadnock just rolling over Laconia uh, 44 to 8 was also a big deal. Um, I saw some of the. Uh, uh, the, the film that's online on that one. And it, it, I mean, it was, it didn't look like it was ever contested. I mean, Manadnock just, just mercilessly blitzed Laconia on every play locked down man to man across the board. Laconia had a hard time with a pretty talented running game, yeah. getting anything going. And uh, they, they had Aiden Hart running the ball well, and they, they got three touchdowns out of, um, trying to remember what the the running back's name but it's it's uh Aiden's backfield partner who I don't think played last year but uh Justin Joslin okay yeah no he was more of a defensive I think player last year yeah he he had three I think I think three in a row touchdown runs um that basically just blew the game open and and you know we were speculating uh last week about all the touchdown passes Manadnock had thrown <laughs> saying, ooh, are they getting away from the run game? You know, are they more of a spread? No, 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 no. <laughs> they lined up, and they just they, they just pounded at uh, Laconia. So, you know, Manadnock looking pretty good over, you know, what's traditionally a quality Laconia program. 
Uh, and Monadnock has an interesting game coming up this week. Uh, they actually will be hosting Keene on Friday, uh, which will be the first game of the year for Keene. So that's um, that's one to keep an eye on. You got a, a D one team again against the D three team, like we talked about with Trinity matching up with uh, with Concord earlier in the season. Um, so yeah, that's a that's one to keep an eye on. And then as we said, yeah, and also a cool story there. That's that's uh, Linwood Patnode at Keene going against the team that you know. Honestly, I I kind of feel like he helped build this modern. Uh, Manadnock program, right? They were very successful under him before he decided to step down. And, um, you know, no question, they've done an, a, an outstanding job of carrying on um, the same style of football that, that um, Coach Patnode put into play. But, yeah, he's kind of going uh, going back against a very familiar opponent there, given his long association with them as, as their head coach. And I think the work that he did, again, to sort of instill a culture at Manadnock um, so that's kind of an interesting story there that you've got him going up against his old team. It's Keene's first game. It's certainly, a, again, one of those, you know, sort of out of division games. Um, and, and uh, I, I, you know, forget about divisions at this point. We've seen that that doesn't matter very much. Um, Manadnock is definitely for real, I can tell you. So it, it, that should be a really, really interesting game. Yeah. Um... You know, the other D3 game, uh, you had Interlakes Moultonboro beating Franklin uh, from D4, 46 nothing, And then the only uh, the only D4 or matchup between two D4 teams this past week, Fall Mountain beat uh, Mascoma 32-30. to uh, I think more of those teams are getting on the uh, on the schedule this week. Uh, you'll have a few more. Um, you know, Raymond, I think, hasn't played a game yet. They'll play Bishop Brady on Saturday. Um you know, I think Winnesquam had the week off. They're they're playing Franklin uh, also on Saturday. Newfound takes on Interlakes Moultonboro. So there's you know a little bit heavier um, heavier schedule, uh, specifically on Saturday coming up this week. I mean, definitely some Friday games, but but the uh, the majority of the action seems to be Saturday this coming week. Yeah, I I, I think there's a lot of good matchups there. I uh, I was I was. Uh... I guess I was a little surprised uh, that Interlakes was just that superior to Franklin. You know, I think Franklin kind of came out with a, a, a good opener. Um, but Interlakes is well coached. They've had a pretty good program the last few years. So hopefully Franklin can rebound after that. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you've got, you've got a number of matchups this week that again are going to sort of paint um, a little bit better of a picture of what we can expect from some of these teams going forward. So this is, this is always that week though, that I think is the most exciting is going into week three. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like we were saying earlier, you start to put those data points together now because you've seen, okay, these guys beat those guys who the week before beat those guys. Okay. So you can start to, you know, you start to put a little map together about, you know, not that it means anything, but people like you and I, when we're trying to figure out who's who, right. You start to, kind of map things in and say okay so maybe that means this team's you know for real and maybe these guys got lucky or whatever so it's this is really where it starts to get fun because you have a little bit more data to play with about who's beaten who when you know and I, I wonder you know we we talked a little bit about you know defenses potentially being ahead of the offenses just because of you know the timing and the amount or the amount of time and and lack of scrimmages and all that uh, I wonder if this week that'll start to maybe change even out a little bit uh, you know, we've got teams that have now played two games. Uh, mo- most of the teams have played two games. 
Um, you know, we're coming up on about a month since practices started. Um, you know, so these guys have been going at it for, you know, for four, almost five weeks. Um, so I wonder if that's going to start to, um, to kind of even out a little bit, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more pass heavy attacks in some cases. I feel like some teams that we've come accustomed to seeing throw the ball haven't as much or, or haven't found as much success with it. Um, definitely the games I've been, that that's been the case, uh, have not seen a lot of passing, uh, or successful passing, um. You know, so I wonder. I'm I'm curious to see if that that trend kind of starts to turn, or or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it continues on, and and defense is kind of the the dominant side of the ball this year. Yeah, I, I it's hard to say, right? I, I was when you first started talking, I was about uh, you know I was formulating my answer, of course, <laughs> instead of uh, intently listening to you, which is what I should have been doing. <laughs> but that's human nature, right? But you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say to Joe. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're probably going to start seeing the offenses clicking a little bit more. They've, but the reality of it is, you know, I, I keep having to remind myself that it's, you know, it's not just that the offenses have missed, like the the you know the August preseason and all that stuff. A lot of offensive work gets done. Uh, defensive work does too, but defense I think is is more technique and mental work, whereas the offense work that you see in the preseason that happens in like seven on sevens in camp is more timing work right. and you know, skill work, right? Route running and um, quarterback reads and receiver skills and all that type of stuff. And uh, they have had none of that. They had no, you know, uh, like spring practice time. They had no seven on sevens. And some teams go like all out for seven on seven, right? They go to tournaments. They go to local things against other New Hampshire schools. They do their own things. I mean, They've had none of that this year. So, you know, maybe maybe I started to shift back as I thought of that and said, you know, I don't know that you can make up for all that. Um, even even just saying, hey, yeah, we've got a few weeks under our, our belts now. I mean, even if you just practiced your passing game full out um, for the last couple of weeks, I, I still don't think it makes up for all that time that teams are used to having to perfect that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe that's why you are seeing teams like Hollis that are way more focused on the, the run game that have really been passing juggernauts the last geez, six or seven years, right? I mean, that that's a team that's just been predicated on the pass. Um, or any of these other teams, right, that that have been major passing teams. That, that I, I think this is a year where you might have to say, yeah, you know, let's not be stubborn. We may have built our identity around that, but you know what, if we've got a, a decent O-line, a good back, you know, we, we should, we should go with what works and not try to force something. So maybe that's more what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other, uh, any other final thoughts before we uh, wrap up for the week? No, I don't think so. I think we, I think we kind of covered it with the idea that this, this week in particular is definitely an important week because it starts to show you who's pulling away. You start to see sort of who, who played common opponents and how well did they do in those situations um, so I think there's a, there's a lot more things that will come into focus, um, you know, after some of these great matchups that we talked about this week. And, and so I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. All right. Well, he is, uh, Mike Lockman, longtime, uh, football coach in New Hampshire. And, and I, you know, I don't think I said that in the intro, so, uh, hopefully everybody by this point, 
Um, hopefully you don't need the introduction this time around. Or, or at, this <laughs> uh, at this point, I've been retired for like four years. Everybody's like, what does that guy know? He doesn't know anything well, anymore. He was, a, he was a coach. Oh, how about that? <laughs> uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me, and uh, looking forward to doing it again next week. No problem. Thanks a lot, Joe. I'm Joe Marcellina. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next Monday.